Thank you for listening to the podcast for Burlingame United Methodist Church, located in Burlingame, California. Each week, we will share a sermon by Reverend Ann Duncan. Thank you for joining us on our journey through the Bible. For the past five months, we have journeyed together through the Old Testament. We looked at key stories, including creation, the fall, the flood, the call of Abraham, the exodus from Egypt, the conquest of the Holy Land, the judges, the kings, and the prophets. We journeyed back at least 3,000 years and traveled throughout the ancient Middle East. The 39 books of the Old Testament shared many wonderful and some scandalous stories about the people of God. And our journey through the Bible is not over. The Old Testament also points us toward Jesus. For the next few months, we are shifting to the last third of the Bible, the New Testament. The 27 books of the New Testament reveal Christ to us. Written in Greek, these books cover about 100 years of human history. Most of these books originated in the Holy Land and addressed people throughout the Roman Empire. The New Testament begins with four biographies of the good news about Jesus Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These four Gospels, which literally means good news, describes Jesus' birth, death, and resurrection. The Gospels introduce us to the most amazing person in the history of the world. Following, the Acts of the Apostles outlines how the first followers of Jesus spread throughout the world telling this good news. Churches sprang up from Jerusalem to Antioch to Corinth to Rome. Ordinary women and men created an organization that transformed the world. Next are the 21 letters to the early Christians and churches. Written by Paul and other early preachers, these letters address both particular concerns of early Christians and broad theological affirmations. Finally, the Revelation of John, the last book in the Bible, surveys all of history and points toward a glorious future. We will study Revelation at the end of our journey through the Bible this coming year. But today we start with the first chapter of the first book of the New Testament, the Gospel, the Good News, according to Matthew. The first words of the New Testament are a genealogy, the family lineage of Jesus Christ. Most people skip over these opening verses. You'll see why in a moment. Yet in doing so, we do miss a lot. In Jesus' family history, we read many familiar names. We also hear names that we have no clue who they are. I'm going to read this lineage to you, all these names, and I invite you to hear the details of Jesus' family tree. I'm reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. Hear now this word. 
a record of the ancestors of Jesus Christ, son of David, son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Aram. Aram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David the king. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been the wife of Uriah, Bathsheba. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the father of Abijah. Abijah was the father of Asaph. Asaph was the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the father of Joram. Joram was the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham. Jotham was the father of Ahaz. Ahaz was the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh. Manasseh was the father of Amos. Amos was the father of Josiah. Josiah was the father of Jeconiah and his brothers. This was at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shittiel. Shittiel was the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abiad. Abiad was the father of Eliakim. Eliakim was the father of Azor. Azor was the father of Zadok. Zadok was the father of Achim. Achim was the father of Eliad. Eliad was the father of Elizar. Elizar was the father of Matan. Matan was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. So there were 14 generations from Abraham to David. 14 generations from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 generations from the exile to Babylon to the Christ. May God add blessing to this reading. Who is your father? Who is your mother? Having grown up in the South, when I met new people in town, it was common for someone to ask such questions. These questions helped identify me. Who's my father? Who's my mother? When I say my father grew up in North Carolina and my mother is from Georgia, they understand my Southern accent. When I say that my father's family came from South Carolina, they understand why I love grits. When I describe that my family has been Protestant for 500 years, they understand my love of the church. When I tell them I married a boy from Massachusetts, <laughs> they're confused. And when I tell my friends from back home that I'm the first member of my family to live in California, oh, they're even more confused. Our family roots tell us a lot about ourselves and a lot about the people we meet. Today, we look at Jesus's family. 
Many people find biblical lists of ancestors tedious and meaningless. You might have even heard me trip over a couple of those names in the reading from Matthew chapter 1. Matthew recounts Jesus' genealogy through 42 generations. Yet if you want to know Jesus, you have to know his family tree. Matthew's genealogy, however, is not an accurate historical record of every one of Jesus' ancestors. Matthew did not explore the archives in Jerusalem to discover precise genealogical facts. Instead, Matthew searched the Old Testament for the stories of God's people to explain who Jesus was. If we listen carefully, Matthew places Jesus in God's mighty acts throughout history. If we listen carefully, the names that are listed place Jesus in God's mighty acts throughout history. The first words of Matthew's story are, quote, the book of genealogy. Genealogy comes from the same Greek word as Genesis. Thus, these opening words of the New Testament parallel the opening words of the Old Testament. You remember them? In the beginning. In the birth of Christ, Matthew describes a new creation, a new beginning, one that, however, is rooted in the past. Matthew lists 42 men, five women, plus two groups of brothers. There are four Gentiles or non-Jews. There are kings and prophets, poets and rogues, loyal women and prostitutes. The first section covers 14 generations from Abraham to King David. God promised Abraham that his house would be a blessing to all nations. Abraham was the father of Isaac, the son whom God asked Abraham to sacrifice as a sign of his faithfulness. Isaac was the father of Jacob, who wrestled with God all night long. Jacob was the father of Joseph, to whom Jacob gave that coat of many colors, plus the father of Judah and ten other boys. Joseph's brothers sold Joseph into slavery, but Joseph became great and powerful in Egypt. When a famine hit, the father and brothers followed Joseph to Egypt. The twelve sons of Jacob became the twelve tribes of Israel. Why does Matthew tell us this story? Matthew is reminding us that when Jesus called twelve disciples, Jesus recreated the twelve tribes of Israel. The opening list of Jesus' ancestors ends with David. David was the greatest king of Israel. Full of the spirit of God, David defeated Goliath, wrote Psalms, captured Jerusalem, and brought the Ark of the Covenant into the city. Just as every president of the United States is judged by the example of George Washington, so every king of Israel was evaluated by the example of David. Jesus, therefore, can claim the throne of his ancestor, David. Thus, Matthew completes this first set of 14 generations. From the wandering shepherd Abraham who left his homeland to find a land promised him by God, to David, the greatest king. 
The second set of names covers the period of the kings of Israel from Solomon to the exile to Babylon. Solomon, son of David and Bathsheba, was known as the wisest king in the world. Yet each of the following kings was worse than the one before. Matthew mentions Asaph, who wrote wisdom literature. He recalls Amos, who was a prophet for justice. Matthew tells us that Jesus follows in the traditions of the Old Testament's wisdom and prophecy. And at the end of the second set of names, the Jewish people go into exile in Babylon. The people had rejected God and been overtaken by their enemies. But the exile was not the end of the story. The third and final segment of 14 generations covers the return from exile. In this section, we find Zerubbabel, who rebuilt the Jerusalem temple. And then there's a list of kings whose names are almost impossible to pronounce and about whom we know absolutely nothing. Yet God's plan still keeps working. Just think about it. Jesus' ancestors were idolatrous worshipers, captives in Egypt, exiles in Babylon, and flawed kings. God's plan continues. God was saying, the famine in Egypt couldn't derail my plan. 400 years of slavery in Egypt and another 70 in Babylonian captivity cannot shackle my plan. Murder, corruption, and idolatry cannot stop my plan. My plan always comes together. Finally, at the end of the list is Joseph, a carpenter from a small village of Bethlehem. Joseph, according to Matthew, is the adoptive father of Jesus. Joseph's ancestor was Jacob. Remember who the first Jacob was? Jacob was the man who wrestled with God one night and received wisdom from God in dreams. In a similar way, we will soon hear this next month about how Joseph also had to wrestle with God when he discovered that his fiancee Mary was pregnant. An angel of God spoke to Joseph, telling Joseph to be loyal to Mary. Just like Jacob led his people down to Egypt, so also Joseph will lead Mary and their child away from King Herod to safety in Egypt. Joseph, son of Jacob, will be like his ancestor a thousand years before. We'll hear more about Joseph soon. And we will hear about Mary and Mary's child, Jesus Christ, who Matthew tells us will be a blessing to the whole world. Wow, Matthew has covered so much of the Old Testament. We took five months to cover this material, the history, the law, the kings, the wisdom literature, and the prophets. Matthew did it in 17 verses. So what is Matthew trying to tell us? Matthew is telling us three important things. Over the next seven months, we will hear these three points over and over again as we journey through the New Testament. First, Jesus stands at the center of history. Jesus stands at the center of history. Second, Jesus is the God King of everyone. Jesus is the God King of everyone. And third, 
God is still at work in our world. Jesus stands at the center of history. Jesus was not just born at some insignificant time. He did not just happen to wander onto the world stage at some random point in history. Instead, from the beginning of creation, Jesus' birth is the climax of the history of the universe. Jesus' central role in creation is the reason that we date history from the year of Jesus' birth. Matthew's witness is an invitation to you and to me to put Matthew, to put Jesus at the center of our lives. Matthew's witness is an invitation to you and to me to put Jesus at the center of our lives. Second, Jesus is the God King of everyone. Jesus is the royal Messiah, the son of David, and over his cross will hang the plaque King of the Jews. Even more so, Jesus is the head of the new people of God. The first Christians included women and men, Jews and Gentiles, saints and sinners, young and old. What does Matthew's vision of an inclusive king mean for you and me? It means you and I are welcome into God's family and this congregation. Whether your family has been in Burlingame for five generations or one week, whether you grew up Methodist or any other religion, whether you are rich or poor, Asian, Hispanic, white or black, you are welcome in this place. Matthew tells us through Jesus's genealogy that everyone is welcome. Matthew tells us through Jesus's genealogy that everyone is welcome. And finally, Matthew affirms that God is still at work in our world. Throughout Matthew's genealogy, Matthew does not say, God did this, or God did that. Yet in each of these stories of Jesus' ancestors, we remember how God shaped all these people for a greater good. The birth of Jesus is a demonstration of God's active intervention in human history. God is not just sitting somewhere remote, uninterested in us. We can see God's hand at work in the birth of Jesus. We can see God's hand at work in the birth of Jesus. So what? I believe that God is also active in our lives. The ancestors you and I have are not just happenstance, but a divine gift. I've been blessed by my parents and ancestors throughout all the generations. The good and the bad, the saints and the sinners, my family has some saints and also drunks, thieves, and fools. I'm going to be sharing Thanksgiving dinner with some of them this Thursday in North Carolina. But I am proud of God's gift to me of my family. Without all of them, I would not be who I am today. And God has been at work in you from your birth until today. Look back at your family. Look at your life's experiences. You will also see the hand of God surrounding you every day of your life. As we come to the end of the genealogy of Jesus, we have one more generation to go. What happened after Jesus? The Bible tells us that Jesus had no direct descendants. According to Matthew and the rest of the biblical and non-biblical tradition, Jesus had no children. Well, maybe. I believe that Jesus does have children. You and I are Jesus' children. 
We are siblings in Christ. You and I are the people who obey his words and follow in Christ's footsteps. Jesus' spiritual genealogy is also my spiritual genealogy. The lineage of Jesus also belongs to you. Jesus' family is also your family. We should rejoice and be glad. We should rejoice and be glad. For over the next few months, we will discover anew the power of being part of God's family through Christ Jesus. So come and join me as we continue our journey through the Bible. Thanks be to God. Amen.